We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. So the New York Knicks enter the second half of the season, nine games under 500, but only three games out of the play-in tournament. Is there a chance the Knicks make back-to-back postseason runs, or are their eyes already on the future? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Putback with Ian Begley, live second half preview. I'm Chris Williamson, alongside our SNY NBA insider, Ian Begley, as well as CP, the franchise from Knicks Fan TV, always pumping out great content. We're streaming live on SNY.tv as well as our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube channels. As always, we tip things off with a baseline. And so, Ian, the Knicks playoff hopes, you know, they're not shattered right now, but we saw some really bad losses before the All-Star break, capped by blowing a 28-point lead over the Nets to end the first half, 23 games to go. What exactly are the goals for the Knicks in the second half of this NBA season? Well, if you listen to Tom Thibodeau uh, this week, it seems like the goals are still to win games and to chase that play-in spot. And uh, if a miracle happens, a playoff spot here. I I don't get the sense, at least from hearing Tom Thibodeau uh, this week, that the Knicks are planning to pivot it all and prioritize getting their young players more minutes uh, to develop them in game situations over trying to win the game that night. And, you know, you have uh, Derrick Rose coming back at some point soon, probably not against the Heat on Friday night. You have R.J. Barrett coming back. You have Nerlens Noel coming back. It seems like it's going to be business as usual for this Nick team, at least in the near future. You know, maybe if that play-in spot becomes a, a distant, distant uh, possibility, maybe then they switch and then they play these younger guys more minutes. But it seems like right now the commitment is to still win games on a night-in and night-out basis. 
Yeah, and that's not completely surprising given the fact of, or given the reputation and the mentality that Tibbs has as a coach. It's always, I'm trying to win games. It's not so much about development, you know, when the playoffs are out of contention or out of the question. But uh, CP, I'll ask you, should the Knicks compete like truly for a playing tournament or should they start to examine their future? Yeah, I, I'm with Ian. I definitely didn't get the idea from Tibbs's uh, sound bites this week that that he's going to pivot. Seems like he's doubling down on Plan A and and he's going full speed ahead. So, look, they can certainly try to make the plan. They are three games in back of the Hawks for that tenth spot, but it's going to be an arduous task. You look at the next three games against two of the top teams in the East: Miami tonight, and then back to back on the on the home and home against Philadelphia, and then trek out west for a seven game road trip starting in Phoenix. So it's going to get very tough. When you look at the tiebreakers, they do own the tiebreaker against the Hawks, who sit in 10th. The Hornets sit in 9th. They are down two games against the Hornets with two games left. And then you have the Wizards in 11th. Uh, they lost one game to the Wizards so far with two games left. So it does come down to tiebreakers. You know, they, they have some wiggle room there, but the schedule is certainly going to get tough. For me, I don't think it's, it's a smart play. I, I think they are better off uh, pivoting evaluating their young players, seeing where they are as they finish the season against some tough competition, and then going into the draft and trying to pluck out an impact player. I think that's been a big issue for this team. You know, rather than going into free agency and, and hoping for a star or, or going out and making that trade, why not see if we can really pull an impact player for this team in the draft? I pointed to the fact that a, a week or so ago, I was a guest on another show, and I said, look, three of the last four drafts, the Knicks have whiffed. You know, Frank Nilakita is no longer on this team. Kevin Knox is no longer on this team. He may not even be in the league down the road. Where are we with Obi Toppin if Julius Randle is still here and this coach refuses to play the two of them in the same lineup? So we're not utilizing our top of the draft assets very well. And I think it would behoove the Knicks to really see if they can jump into that lottery and really pluck out a guy that can help move the needle for this team. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I mean, is it a matter of, you know, Obviously, it's a matter of pride. Like, you want to play in the postseason, but if it's just in the playing tournament and you get knocked out, then you're looking there, you know, shaking your head like, well, we could have, you know, just developed the young guys and we would have had a much better, you know, draft pick, uh, you know, come the draft, when it would come the lottery, I should say. Uh, but make sure you guys always are uh, on point because as far as the fans, that is, because you guys run the show. So be sure to submit your questions in the chats wherever you are watching the show. And, you know, moving to Tom Thibodeau specifically, guys, and Ian, I'll ask you first, what is the latest on his status with the Knicks? He's the head coach tonight, and I think that he'll be the head coach for the rest of this season. And unless something crazy happens and things, you know, really spiral in a bad way on the court, off the court, I would assume that Tom Thibodeau is the coach for the rest of the season. You know, if the Knicks miss the playoffs and, you know, there's uncertainty going into the offseason, I could see Thibodeau's seat heating up early next year if the Knicks were to struggle. But I think that he gets the rest of this season to coach this team. The logical uh, time to make a move if you were going to make an in-season coaching move was over the All-Star break. That didn't happen, so I would assume Thibodeau is the coach. But I, I do think that you know uh, finances uh, wouldn't be an impediment to Leon Rose making a coaching decision here. Tom Thibodeau uh, has at least one more guaranteed year on his deal, and two beyond that. But I don't think finances would get in the way of, of a decision being made here. We know the history with the Knicks and James Dolan. Uh, he has faults, but he does not care about spending money. He's paid many a coach and an executive not to work. So I don't think that would be an impediment here. 
And speaking about the history, you know, of this team as of recently, um, CP, how should the front office handle Tom Thibodeau's situation the rest of the season? Because we've seen so many coaches go in and out, you know, the last few years or so. Yeah, well, capturing, you know, the sentiments of the fans, uh, they want him out. Uh, I'll just be pretty clear there. A lot of the fans uh, have had it with Tibbs. I'm not there yet. I understand he's a guy who's been stubborn with the rotations. He's in desperate, desperate need of an offensive coordinator. But I'm more of a fan of stability. I'm more of a fan of continuing to build a foundation and continue to establish a culture. I just don't feel like, you know, a lot of fans want to now anoint Johnny Bryan as the new wonder kid, as the next guy up. But without the horses, he's going to suffer the same fate because a lot of fans want to see these young, these young guys developing, but they also want to see wins. And, and when you start to lose and, and things start to spin out of control, the coach becomes the first domino to fall. So I wouldn't want to put Johnny Bryan in that, in that position because I, I don't think we're putting him in a, in a position to succeed. For Tibbs, the two sides need to come to the table and see, okay, what is the plan? Where are we going? Thibodeau, when he first got here, alluded to the fact that we do need to be aggressive in terms of going out and getting those impact players that can really help push the needle forward. Can Leon and, and World Wide West, Scott Perry, can they deliver that? You know, the first two years have been slow going, and I don't fault them for that. I actually appreciate the fact that they haven't mortgaged the future for any uh, hasty moves. But now going into year three, the next offseason, we need to see if they can really bring in a guy here that can really help this franchise. Is it a Jalen Brunson? You know, the Zion hot stove is, is heating up. Is it Zion? I don't really like that, but we'll, we'll touch on that. You know, can they bring in that guy? And if they can't, I think they'll need to go to Tibbs and say, look, we also have all these, this young core here. We need to see them playing. And if this thing is going too slow for you, then maybe, you know, we, we should figure out an, an alternative option. But for right yeah. now, come to the table, see if you can get him in, an assistant coach, an offensive coordinator, and then help him get some pieces that he can win with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking about, you know, the young guys, you know, getting time and, you know, playing the vets, Ian, Gavin Jarrett is asking you, you know, if the Knicks lose the next five games, uh, will Tibbs be forced, you know, into sitting some of his vets? Gavin, I appreciate the question. Um, I'm under the impression that all of last year and, and at least most of this year, lineups have been Tom Thibodeau's decision. Rotations have been Tom Thibodeau's decision. You look at the Cam Reddish trade, uh, basically the Knicks acquired Reddish and then it was up to Thibodeau to figure out when and how to, to put him into the lineup. And so I think that to, when you're talking about making this switch to playing young players, let's say the Knicks do lose the next five games, I have to think that that decision is made collaboratively, meaning, you know, it's Leon Rose and it's William Wesley and it's Brock Aller and it's Scott Perry and it's everybody uh, and Tom Thibodeau sitting down and saying, hey, we're not going to play for the playing tournament right now. We want to get a chance to evaluate some of our young players a little bit more fully. So uh, what do you think about giving player X more minutes over this veteran that's been playing? I think it's got to be a collaborative decision because, you know, Tom Thibodeau, he's focused on the tonight's game, that night's game, winning that night's game. So it would be a big shift uh, in thinking for him. But I have to think that it's at least on the table in this scenario uh, that Garrett describes the losing five straight. Once that 10th seed becomes, you know, again, a, a distant mem or a distant uh, goal, I think the Knicks will have to pivot there and play younger players like a Miles McBride more minutes than they've been getting. Yeah, absolutely. They, they have, I think at that point you have no choice and it just would look, I wouldn't say foolish, but it wouldn't be a good look 
if you continue to play the vets, knowing that it's going to be really hard to get into that playing tournament. Uh, but always, you know, make sure to visit SNY.TV for complete coverage of the Knicks, including Tom Thibodeau's thoughts heading into the second half and why Kimba Walker wasn't involved in trade talks before the deadline. And speaking of Kimba, Ian, Leon Rose announced Wednesday that Kimba will sit out the remainder of the season with his future in mind after playing in 37 games while averaging just 11.6 points on the year. How exactly did this Kimba Knicks sideline thing come about? Well, it's my understanding that coming into the trade deadline, there were some things kind of explored that would have led to uh, an exit uh, for Kimball Walker, but obviously nothing comes to fruition. I don't think the Knicks aggressively pursued trade options ahead of the deadline to move off of Kimball Walker. And, and that tells you that they view that his contract, right, it's, it's this year and it's next year um, as, as more valuable in trades uh, coming into this offseason or in this offseason rather than in this season. And so now here you are, Kemba Walker makes a decision, according to the Knicks, to, to walk away to focus on his future and to get right, presumably physically. And you're left thinking, you know, what went wrong here? Obviously, Tom Thibodeau, uh, the benching, anyone who watched Kemba Walker give his press conference in Boston uh, when he spoke about the benching for the first time could tell that it didn't sit right with him. Uh, he, he didn't feel good about it. So, you know, was there issues between Thibodeau and Walker that lingered? I don't know. Uh, but what we do know is the Knicks, uh, you know, I think they're going to look to trade Walker, include Walker in, in trade packages uh, in the offseason and see where that goes. And again, the idea that he's on an expiring contract uh, makes it more palatable via trade. But I will say this, Hamble Walker, what you saw from him uh, in New York was him giving you everything he had. Uh, obviously, he missed some games after coming back into the rotation. And I was told that he was in a lot of discomfort uh, between some of those games, but he gutted it out. He was on the court for you. He's obviously dealing with that knee condition that's not really going away. So what you saw from Walker was him giving New York uh, all he had. And unfortunately for the Knicks and for Kemba, it just didn't work out. Yeah. And I thought what was interesting, well, just, you know, with the benching with Tibbs is how Kemba never, you know, showed any discontent, you know, on the bench. You never saw, you know, a hint of him, you know, being upset that he wasn't getting any minutes, even though he knew that he could be out there on the floor. So I think, you know, just his professionalism was something that, you know, people should remember as part of his short tenure, short legacy uh, with the Knicks. And CP, obviously, Kimba, that whole experiment was a failure. They didn't bring him, bring him in, you know, to only play the first half of the season. But Derrick Rose at point guard has brought many positive moments, especially last year. What do you think the Knicks have learned about veterans at the one compared to developing their own point guards? Yeah, well, I, I think this year it's uh, we need more help. <laughs> we, we need more help at the point, man. You know, the, the Kemba situation, it's unfortunate to see how it ended. But uh, I think coming into this, we understood the deal. We understood there was a risk there that he wouldn't be the same player and he wouldn't perform at that all-star caliber level. It's still good to see him come home. And, and I give him a lot of credit for handling the situation, whether it's the benching or now uh, choosing not to be bought out and, and going elsewhere and just focusing on, on rehabilitation and, and getting himself right. I give him a lot of credit there, but it's just unfortunate that it didn't work out. You know, Rose coming back will be interesting. We, we do know the spark that he's had has given to this second unit, especially since last year. How will he look coming off of the ankle surgery? I don't see Tibbs putting him into that starting spot. I think one thing we've seen over the last two years is it seems as though 
Uh, they want to conserve him to close games rather than uh, putting a lot of workload on him to, you know, chase starting caliber point guards up and down on the defensive end and just having that workload as a starter. So it seems like Rose will come back to his role off of the bench, which will help guys like Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, hopefully Quentin Grimes as well. Now, the the Burke situation, you know, I he he's a he's a utility player that to me, point guard is really the last option that that you want for him. I know I see why Tibbs likes him. Tibbs always speaks on the fact that he has size. He's switchable. He does get to the lane. You know, 99th percentile in shooting foul percentage uh, doesn't convert a lot when he gets to, when he attacks the rim, but he does get to the lane. The thing about Burks is that his shooting has also fallen off a cliff. So I think he's been a bit miscast there. We saw McBride. The fans want McBride. We did, we did see McBride start uh, two and a half games, came in the second half against uh, in Houston against the Rockets, started against the Thunder, and then started for you know a spell against the Raptors. Tibbs didn't like what he saw, and we haven't seen McBride since. So we haven't gotten to, to – we don't know what McBride is on this team or what his true role is with this team. And so it, it brings me to quickly. I think quickly, despite his shooting struggles – has shown some playmaking ability this year. That's been an improvement since his rookie year. And has showed the ability to be aggressive and, and, and continue to push the pace. If you have quickly in that lineup with RJ and Julius, two guys who you have to figure is going to you know um, handle most of the playmaking um, capabilities for this team, does that bring quickly back to his strength, which is playing off ball in a shooting position? I think quickly would be my option to to go at the starting point just to uh, to finish the season and see where he is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I want to say one thing about the, the young players. I do think that there are young players on this Nick team that are getting minutes. I mean, you look at players like Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett. Uh, there are players that are getting on minutes. I understand the fans' frustration with, you know, seeing vets um, getting minutes over players like McBride and Sims and quickly not being a point guard over somebody like Burks. And I understand it. But in a, in a big picture sense, I don't think there's a lot of second round picks uh, getting regular minutes on NBA teams. So I, I understand the idea of McBride maybe not getting regular minutes at this point on this team because that's generally how things go in the NBA. However, uh, if it's clear you're out of contention, if it's clear you're not playing uh, to win, to, to make a, a climb to the playoffs, excuse me, into the playoff picture, then I, I see the, the reasoning behind wanting to play those guys. But, uh, you know, when we talk about it in December, uh, why isn't McBride getting minutes? We should at least recognize that he is a second-round pick. It's rare for those players to be in the rotation. And Obi Toppin, uh, yes, he's a skilled player. You want to see what you have in him because you drafted him so highly, you know, but you look at his, his three-point shooting and it's not there yet. And maybe that's a matter of him getting more reps in games, but he hasn't shown you yet that he can knock that shot down. Yeah, he hasn't shown that he's been able to knock that shot down. I do think it's interesting. I think it's also Tibbs is, you know, such a seasoned veteran as a coach that he sees most of these guys as young, uh, you know, aside from Taj Gibson, you know, and Andy Rose. You know, and maybe Nerlens Noel. Everybody else, though, you know, including Julius and RJ, are young guys. Uh, but CP uh, Kelly Gums is asking you: Did not making moves prior to the deadline set us back? No, I didn't think it was necessarily going to set us back. I, I don't think there was a move out there that was just going to. I, I didn't think the Knicks were going to look for that, you know, franchise-altering move. I think it was going to be, can we shed some of these veteran contracts and then make more room for the kids, as, as Ian had, had reported during the, during the trade deadline. So, no, I don't think it sets us back. I think, again, the onus is now on the front office to try to do that again in this offseason. When you have uh, one year removed from these contracts, does the Burks contract, is it easier to move? Is the Kemba contract easier to move? Hopefully, the Noel contract is easy to move because that, that to me, I didn't like that deal at all. Fournier, I think Fournier's been playing well for this team. I think he's been coming on strong. I wouldn't want to see them trade him, but again, is, is he another movable contract now, one year removed? So no, I don't think it set us back, but it, again, there is pressure on this front office to, to make some moves in this now third offseason that's coming up. Yeah, and given, you know, the pressure that is going to be on this front office, you know, for this next offseason, uh, Jason is asking you, Ian, do you believe the front office is going to panic in the offseason and make a big, unnecessary uh, win-now move? You know, we've seen this front office for a couple of years now, and, and one of the characteristics of the front office has been prudence. It's been uh, against risk-taking. And so what you're describing there, Jason, and thank you for the question, is a, a, a huge risk, a, a big risky move. So that would be, in my mind, uh, a bit of a panic move because of the way this front office has operated to date. You know, we all talk about the idea that the Knicks maybe are hold, holding their, 
their trade assets for a, a big deal down the road. Donovan Mitchell, Zion Williamson, one of those you know big stars that could become disgruntled. And I and I understand that, but that that's a situation where it's very rare for it to come up. And when it does come up, it's extremely difficult for a team to put together a deal to satisfy the team that is trading said star player. So if you're if you're holding out hope for that, uh, I think that in itself is a risky endeavor. Uh, that being said, third offseason for Leon Rose, I think it depends on how you talk to your fans, how you talk to uh, Jim Dolan, Nick Oatner, about your plans moving forward. Uh, I, I think that they would continue, continue to be prudent you know, unless, of course, you know, they hear Zion Williamson or uh, Mitchell or another top player, Carl Anthony Towns, wants out and wants to come to New York. That's when you push your chips in. Uh, but again, what we've seen so far from this offense—excuse uh, me, from this front offense, front office—is uh, not risk taking, not doing something where you're kind of just uh, throwing out first-round picks and trying to see what works. They've been pretty conservative. I would expect them to continue that route in the, in the third offseason for this group. Yeah, because the, the Cam Reddish deal, you know, that they made earlier before the trade deadline wasn't some blockbuster deal, you know, even though Cam, you know, is somebody who has a lot of promise. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. And um, Ray Rivera is asking about Cam, actually, Ian, what exactly is the plan for Reddish? Why did they trade for him? And I know, you know, with Kimba, you know, being sidelined for the rest of the year, maybe that'll open up, you know, some time for him. It's interesting because the Kemba, to me, it doesn't, lead to a direct line for Cam Reddish minutes. I mean, Tom Thibodeau's already talked about Alec Burks uh, being in that, that point guard slot, and then maybe something opens up in the second unit, but you also have uh, R.J. Barrett coming back, uh, yeah. Derek Rose coming back. So I think someone else needs to be out of the rotation for Cam Reddish to get regular minutes, and this continues to be kind of one of those things that's worth watching with the Knicks because traditionally uh, NBA teams don't give up first-round picks for a player and then not see that player on the court uh, after acquiring him. It's just not traditionally how things are done. So, you know, it's led to conjecture about disconnects between the front office and the coaching staff. Now, again, Tom Thibodeau makes the lineup calls. He makes the rotation calls. And it's been his decision not to play Cam Reddish uh, significant minutes so far. Um, does that change if the Knicks get out of the playoff picture? I don't know. But I do know it is something that continue to watch here when we talk about Tom Thibodeau's uh, status as head coach is the seat warming up. That Cam Reddish situation is, is important, and it's and it's some seen as something around the league that is a bit of a head scratcher. So, uh, if he does start to get regular minutes, uh, it would make sense for the Knicks because you want to see what you have in him. You traded a first round pick for him again. He's going into a year where you could offer an extension, then you have, but you do have him under contract for another year. Uh, it just seems like an interesting, strange situation right now with Reddish and the Knicks and the way things have played out. And, and, and Chris, to Ian's point, you know, the Cam situation, like, like the Obi situation is, are we managing these assets correctly? You know, you just traded a first round pick for him. Yeah. You've got to see the kid play. And so that's what I mean when these two sides of Tibbs, Leon and, and the management, they have to come to the table and say, okay, what is the direction we are going in? Can we get, a look at these kids and, and, and are you on board for this? Because you, you can't keep mismanaging these assets. And we haven't talked about Quentin Grimes, who Tibbs loves and a guy who I don't think is, is coming out of that rotation anytime soon. So right. with their girls coming back off the bench, you have quickly Grimes, Toppin, and probably, you know, Taj and Noel. So 
uh, unless he's he's cutting into OB or Cam's minutes or or Quickly's minutes, I'm not sure if Cam Reddish is, is going to be a factor in this rotation until unless they're until they're mathematically eliminated. Yeah, and and that would be just a red red flag because you traded for him because you felt like he could add some value to this team and take them to a place where they wouldn't be better positioned for the postseason. But you know, to all your points, uh, CPN Ian, it's just it's not working out right now. Or yeah, the two sides, you know, Leon and and Tibbs management, they're not on the the same page. But make sure to watch Geico Sports Night all night and every night starting at 11 p.m. We'll have complete coverage of the next second half opener against the Miami Heat with Ian Begley joining us live from the garden after the game. Uh, but there's another question that uh, the cooler has on Twitter, Ian. It says, should Leon Rose address the media and the fans the way Sean Marks did earlier this week and speak on his plan going forward? The cooler, always appreciate you. You're a big-time media analyst out there, and I love it. I uh, love all the criticisms and the compliments, but I, I, I would say that's up to the fans, really. The fans, if you're a fan, do you want to hear from Leon Rose? Uh, some fans, I think, do, understandably. Other fans probably don't care. Uh, for me, if I was a fan, I would want to hear about the direction of the team here now that the trade deadline has passed. What is the goal here? Is the goal to make a postseason push? Is the goal to evaluate your young players going into the offseason? It's hard to do both. So that's what I, I would want to hear uh, from Leon Rose, if I was a fan, just the direction, what we're doing. Um, so again, it kind of depends on your perspective on these things. Some people don't care. Some people do. For me, a media member, uh, it, it's always uh, in my best interest to hear from executives and on the record and hear uh, how they feel about things have gone, have gone so far and, and think about the future. So I'm always all for it. Uh, but again, it, I think with Leon Rose, he showed you that he's not interested in, in talking to the media that often. Um, but here you are, bad season so far, um, unclear direction moving forward. I think it would be helpful if Rose came out and talked to the media, talked to the fans. Yeah, I think, I think it's good to have that type of transparency just for fans to feel like they know where the team is headed or what their goals are, because otherwise you're really left in the dark and you're guessing and choosing. And it gets frustrating, you know, as a fan, especially when, you know, things are not going well. But we talked about, the young guys a lot. Uh, one of the young guys is RJ Barrett, even though he's more, you know, seasoned than, you know, like Obi and uh, quickly and all that. But CP, what would you like to see from RJ over the last 23 games of the regular season to really take his game and maybe take his spot on this team to another level to show management and Tibbs that, you know, he's the guy. Uh, just continue to be aggressive. I, I think when, when we've seen RJ be aggressive, when the offense is running through him earlier in the games, good things happen. You know, he's been out there pushing the pace a lot, which is, benefit, which is a benefit to his game. You know, the 36-point performance against the Lakers was outstanding. Drew the respect to LeBron James. I want to see that guy, you know, just continue to be aggressive, understanding that the point guard situation isn't ideal right now. So a lot is going to be riding on his shoulders to, to generate plays for, for his teammates. Um, well, primarily, we want to see him healthy, right? Because the sprained ankle really uh, took the wind out of our sails to see him go down like that in, in garbage minutes. You know, that's, that's another knock against Tibbs from this fan base. So first of all, uh, come back healthy, maintain his aggressiveness, and continue to work in, in that mid-range. You know, the, the mid-range for him has been an area that's been pretty bleak, 30% right now, 15 percentile uh, shooting from the mid-range. What happens when good defensive cut, cut him off on his drives again in, into the lane, you know, 
He's got to need something in that intermediate free throw line extended, a, a patented mid-range game. Can he continue uh, to work on that aspect of his game? But, you know, prior to the injury, RJ had been coming on strong. Just want to see him come back healthy and, and stay aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And that, if he can, you know, lock down on the mid-range game and really, you know, show up um, when defenses are cutting him off, you know, that'll just make him extremely hard to stop because the mid-range is, ne- is not going away and never has. Uh, and it's something that, you know, uh, defenses have a hard time to stop, you know, depending on the player. But so RJ, guys, is, you know, I would say he's the best player. Well, he's been playing like the best player at times for this team. Uh, Julius Randle has not, although he's come on strong as of late, you know, had some big performances, even in some losses. Uh, so what exactly, Ian, is Julius's uh, future with this franchise? Is he still part of their long-term plan or have they pivoted to another direction? I don't get the sense that they have decided to pivot in another direction. You know, there was interest in Randall ahead of the trade deadline from several teams, uh, including Sacramento saw him as a potential addition and teams. So what they saw was a player who can play obviously and and really impact um, a team. And, And so they, I think some of those teams felt that if we use Julius in a different role, Maybe he could be strong for us. So there's a market for Randall. Uh, if the Knicks do decide that they want to trade him, obviously they decided against it at the deadline. Um, but, you know, if you're going forward here with this Knicks team and, and you're, you see Julius Randall, you see R.J. Barrett, uh, you see guys who like the ball in their hands, um, and then you talk about bringing in uh, maybe another player, uh, a star who would need the ball in his hands, you wonder how it all would work out with this specific group and I'm not saying the Knicks, if you're the Knicks, you go out and trade Julius Randle um, just to get something back. I think that you only do it if you know you're getting a, a star in return in that trade or in another transaction. So, you know, you don't get the sense right now that the Knicks were itching, are itching to trade Randle in the offseason. I don't think they were itching to trade him at the deadline. I think it would have had to, had to it would have taken the right uh, return, which would have been significant. But from the trade deadline, you do know that, you know, teams hold Randall. Some teams hold Randall in a high regard, and there is a trade market for him if the Knicks decide to go that route. Yeah, and if they decide to go that route, you know, trading him, somebody like Zion would be a great return. Obviously, there's so many rumors, you know, about him and everything that's been going on for the Pelicans, you know, not talking to C.J. McCollum after C.J. gets traded, and then J.J. calls him out, other people call him out, and now he's responding to, you know, uh, different people. Uh, so what's the latest on the Zion rumors, Ian, and what could potentially happen uh, for him to become a Nick in the future? Yeah, I don't think there's a latest there because the the next step here is Zion Williamson deciding to sign a rookie extension in New Orleans or deciding against it, deciding to take on a, take the qualifying offer and then test unrestricted free agency that following year. We're not at the point where he's got to make that decision yet. And so we sit and we wait and we see what happens. There's a lot of tea leaves being read about uh, Zion's attitude towards New Orleans. J.J. Redick, uh, his former teammate in New Orleans, uh, really had a strong critique of Williamson uh, on first take uh, last week, which I thought, you know, I, I love to see players give honest opinions. They have strong perspectives on these things. So I appreciated Redick's take there. And there's, you know, there's been whispers really since the draft about Zion not wanting to be in New Orleans. You know, he's never talked about that openly on the record, but teams are always going to whisper about it until he signs that long-term extension and says that he's happy there. 
Uh, the idea, though, of, of a trade before an extension, I think, is really difficult because you're talking about a player in Williamson who's on his rookie deal, but who would command back in a trade, you know, star talent players who are being paid much more than he is currently. So making a trade work on his rookie scale contract would be really tough. So I think you're not going to see any movement until he decides what to do on that extension. And Knicks fans will be patiently waiting uh, for that moment, you know, if and when that comes. And CP, you said earlier in this show that you weren't really a fan, you know, of the Knicks bringing in Zion Williamson. So if the front office decides to go big and go after, you know, a major superstar, who is a more appealing option to you that's going to give you confidence that this player, you know, can really change the fortunes of the franchise? I think the Zion thing just says same old Knicks, man. It's just a yeah. huge gamble with his injury history, the weight issues. Uh, that's a red flag all over the place, man. I, I just, I, I don't like it. I mean, sure, certainly do your homework. Always do your due diligence on these things. See what the extent of the injury is and, and you know, make a calculated uh, decision on whether or not you feel like he can bounce back. But that just seems like uh, such a risk for me. Uh, to me, uh, I'll wait on the spider, man. I'll wait to bring the spider home. Big time Mets fan. Father's a part of the organization. You know, spider's out there recruiting players for the Mets. So New York is always on his mind. We'll just give Utah a couple more years to flame out and, and then make, make that offer, man. Spider, so you, spider is my target. I got you. No, I, I respect it. And yeah, I, I feel like that is a, a smarter move for uh, for the Knicks, you know, as opposed to Zion, where there is so much uncertainty. Donovan Mitchell is obviously a star in this league, and he's somebody who stays relatively healthy uh, a lot more than Zion has. But that'll do it for our second half preview here on the Putback with Ian Begley. Our thanks as always to CP. Give him a follow at Knicks Fan TV. We'll be back Thursday, March third at noon, coming off a Knicks home and home. Okay, I see you with the dome dome there, Ian. Uh, home and home with James Harden and the Sixers before a Friday date with the league-best Phoenix Suns. For Ian Begley, I'm Chris Williamson. We'll see you then. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.